I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Edward Nkoloso and the Zambia Space Program. Who was Edward Festus Makuka Nkoloso? Well... He was a freedom fighter, scientist, and military veteran who has become infamous on the global stage for attempting to start a space program in the newly freed African country of Zambia. The only problem? He might have been a crazy person. Or the greatest performance artist of all time. One, the dream of taking to the stars. Space, the final frontier of parody. Or maybe literally the final frontier. It's hard to tell with this story. Accounts differ on if Edward Makuka and Coloso was a cutting-edge performance artist or a crazy person attempting to surpass the vistas of the traditional human experience and will himself into the heavens. Regardless, the story is fascinating and worthy of discussion. Edward Nkoloso was born in the year 1919 in the northern part of Northern Rhodesia. After being drafted into the Northern Rhodesian Regiment for World War II, he became a translator in the Northern Rhodesian government. While in the military, he became fascinated with science. After looking through a microscope for the first time, he became a man obsessed with spreading information and knowledge. He became a school teacher and attempted to open up his own school but that was quickly shut down by British authorities. He then joined the resistance movement. He was arrested and imprisoned in 1956 and 1957. Following his release, he was appointed as a security official for the United National Independence Party. And in 1960, he made the bold step into a new future from the recently freed colonially ruled country of Zambia. I wanna know more about why the, the government shut down his school. Uh, I think that was largely a colonialized thing. I think they didn't want actual Africans running schools. Um, I don't know the specifics, but I believe it was a, like, he wanted to open a uh, science-focused school to teach African kids. And the uh, British government was just like, uh, yeah, no. So they shut him down. Sucks. Got, got his fucking school shut down. Dude, dude. Dude goes through all the process of starting a school, and then they're just like, nah, bro, no schools for you. Well, luckily, your empathy and patience for Edward and Coloso is in the right place, because he wasn't going to give up, Spandrew. He wasn't going to take no for an answer. Edward and Coloso founded the Zambia National Academy of Science, Space Research, and Philosophy. I also love that that was like the next step. He's like, I want to start a school. And they're like, nah. And he's like, all right, well, then I'm going to become Professor X. I'm just I'm just skipping every step in between. Yeah, he's like, fuck it. We're going to the stars then. You're telling me I can't do this on Earth? I'll do it on the moon. Yeah, I'm literally going to go to space to start my school. Yeah, I want these kids to learn proper math. Like the math of one plus one equals fuck you. We're going to space. On Earth's math is just like how you figure out like how many tomatoes somebody can carry in a wheelbarrow or whatever the fuck. But in space... Math is literally what's stopping you from dying. These kids are going to be up there like solving math problems. And if they get it wrong, they fucking suffocate or some shit. It's like <laughs> high stakes math. Yeah, high stakes. It's uh, fast and furious math, pretty much. Um, so we have some uh, we have some newspaper articles here. I'm going to describe them briefly and then I'm going to have old dirty Papa spicy um, read a, a, a little chunk of them. So the first newspaper uh, is a newspaper piece written by Dennis Lee Royal. And it's about a, it's basically a human interest story showcasing that Edward Incoloso is starting this thing, this, this space program. And the, um, and the, the headline reads, Zambia warns Russia, US will beat you to the moon. And it's a, an African-run paper that's doing a story on him um, for the Associated Press, stating that they're going that the the this program is being started, um, uh, and he has a, a he's he has a school. He's bringing in these kids, and he's going to start training them to be astronauts. Um, 
And then below that, we have an editorial written by Edward Makuka and Coloso um, in another rival African paper. And he's like marching with two guys behind him. They both look like they're in their 20s and he's obviously in his 40s or so, maybe maybe late 30s. And uh, they're wearing vaguely militarized uniforms, but not really. They're, they're just kind of like collared shirts and jackets and Edward and Coloso has a helmet on. Um, uh, and so, uh, Spandrew, uh, if you wouldn't mind reading the uh, headlines and maybe some some of the stuff in here, if you can make it out. So I have I have two I have two questions first. So in this top photo of Edward Incoloso and another man, uh, I don't know where it says what this person's name is. Um, it's got the description of the photo. And it says Edward Makuka Incoloso in Spaceman's helmet and ornate cloak. There's another that they're referencing. They're referencing the fact that you're, we're going to watch a video in a little bit where we see this get up in action and it will become very clear what they're talking about with that cloak. You can't really make it out in this photo. He's wearing like like a full on cape. I have two questions. The first one is, is that a spaceman's helmet? It's it's just like a helmet. It's like a it's like a helmet. It's on just a helmet. It's not a spaceman's helmet. It's just a fucking helmet. And my second question is, is that the actual technical term for that spaceman's helmet? Is that what they're called? <laughs> I'm wearing a spaceman's helmet. That reminds me of that. That reminds me of that Paul F. Tompkins joke about how he used to work at a hat store and somebody came in and were like, hey, let me wear that king's hat. And he was like, you mean the crown? And he's like, no, I talk about the king's hat. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, the photo of them marching in line. Uh, I guess this is, these are astronauts. This looks like some guys. They're just guys. <laughs> if they're not astronauts. They're just fucking guys. Uh, with a space girl, two cats, and a missionary. Yeah, the headline says we're going to Mars. I see the Zambia of the future as a space age Zambia, more advanced than Russia or America. In fact, in my Academy of Sciences, our thinking is already six or seven years ahead of both powers. It is unlucky for Lusaka that I did not have the chance to run for mayor. If I had been elected, the capital city of Zambia would quickly have been another Paris, if not another New York. If I had been mayor, Mabero, Kamwala, and Chilenjo suburbs would quickly have been filled with something in sky. Flats and skyscrapers. Flats and skyscrapers. Okay, yeah. And my struggling to read these words, these names, is because it's blurry, not because I'm like lazy and not trying to pronounce things right. Old houses would have vanished. But never mind, we will have our Paris yet. If I had my way, Zambia would have been born with the blast of the Academy's rocket being launched into space. But the Independent Celebration Committee said that would terrify the guests and possibly the whole population. I think they were worried about dust and noise. So what he's referencing here is that when Zambia declared independence and transformed from Northern Rhodesia into Zambia, they had a celebration day, uh, an Independence Day celebration that was this big national holiday. And Edward uh, Makuka Nkoloso's idea was let's, let's launch a rocket into space. Let's fully go to the moon on the day of our independence, or try at least. And also when he says, I wasn't able to run for mayor, he already ran for mayor at this point. Like, he, the guy literally ran for mayor and didn't get elected. <laughs> and so he's just like, he just like kayfabed it, was like, I never ran for mayor. They wouldn't let me. Well, that's the thing I'm not clear on because the timeline of a lot of this stuff is a little mushy. He definitely ran for mayor, but I'm not sure if he ran for mayor already at this point or if he's going to run for mayor soon. I do know that he petitioned the Zambian government to let him launch his rocket prior to or during the Independence Day celebration and they denied it, which is specifically what that's about. Um, but yeah, he basically started this school and had he recruited 10 young men and one woman, young, young girl, to be in the program to be astronauts. But as you can see, or as as is implied by this photo, like they don't have any money, they don't have any technical know-how. He's not actually a rocket scientist. They don't have any means of really doing this. He's just like, we're now gonna be a space program. Oh, cool, so we're gonna get like anti-gravity chambers and like really like, no, we're just gonna say we're a space program. It's like the equivalent of whenever you're in like elementary school or even high school and you're like, we're gonna start a band and you come up with the name of the band and you write lyrics to the song 
and you talk about playing music and playing shows a lot, but you never actually have, you never actually play together. You never actually play any music. This is the thing that's interesting about this story. It very well could be exactly what we're discussing. Or it could be a build it and they will come style situation where Edward Edward Incoloso is just like, if I say that it's a fucking space program, I'll be able to get money from the government to actually hire the right people to make it a space program. So it's this weird, like, is it a chicken and the egg? Or is he just like completely kayfabing it and being like, I'm just trying to get money from the government. Wouldn't that be crazy if they gave me just like $7 million to do shit? Yeah, kind of like kind of like that one guy who like ended up being a murderer, but before he 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 like killed somebody through like a Craigslist ad or something like that. But before he did that, he he like made a little like sizzle reel for a movie that was like supposed to be like a Kevin Smith clerks ripoff about it was called Day Players and it was about uh it was about like PAs on a film set. And he went around to all these different studios and told them that Morgan Freeman was attached to act in it. And so he he was given forty thousand dollars from from various people in the film industry because they he told them that Morgan Freeman was going to be in the movie, but he just lied. And Morgan Freeman was never had anything to do with it. Incoloso's singular mission was to land a man on the moon, an African astronaut, or as he dubbed them, Afronauts. Which is pretty badass. I, as soon as I heard that uh, branding, I was like, bro, where do I sign up? I want to be a part of sending an Afronaut to the moon. That's fucking dope. Yeah, that, that Afronaut is a, is a, that's a cool, that's a cool terminology. Honestly, Afronaut seems like one of those, like, shitty canceled black and white explosion comics from the 80s that like everybody's like oh man do you have paul galacy's like afro knot issues those were great yeah i kind of love it so we're gonna watch this uh this afro knot newsreel slash training footage basically a, a local news channel went to the school to film uh in coloso and his his students so the the first part of this is all silent um and then eventually there'll be sound when he starts being interviewed so the footage we're watching right now is uh people warming up like with calisthenic exercises they're like doing sit-ups and stretches and uh edward incoloso is like leading a bunch of people in a circle he's like holding some sort of uh sign or something and everybody's just kind of like casually walking in a circle around um he's now putting on his helmet slash spaceman helmet and his fucking cloak. And his cloak. They have a large metal tube and they're helping a small child slide into the tube. He is Professor X. He's African Professor X. And now they're holding the tube in the air with the small child in it. And they're rattling it around in order to help him train for the simulation. This is what it would be like if you were in space. Yes. And now he's on a swing set. Edward Incoloso is on a swing set being pushed from behind like a small child by one of the children. And he's... This is how it feels when you're in space. Yes. This is how it feels when you're in space. (laughs) And now he's like leading them in a chant. And now they've put a small child into a barrel and they're rolling the barrel down a hill because this is what it would feel like if you were in a barrel in space exactly and now they've put uh, a child in a uh, bucket floating down a stream and two of the other children are like holding it to make sure that it doesn't tip over the child in in the bucket seems very uncomfortable he's not having fun He's like, this sucks, guys. And he's like, yeah, but that's what it feels like when you're in space, though. Rocket launching program. And, and could you tell me where your rocket is? Yes, this is the rocket launching site. And my rocket is just here. And what is the name of your He's pointing to the tube that uh, the they just loaded a kid in. Is National Academy of Science, Space Research, and Astronomical Research. And what position do you hold in the organization? I'm the Director General of Science, Space Research, and Philosophy. 
And when will you fire off your first rocket, and where will you send it to? I will, I will fight from Lusaka, and uh, it will go straight to the moon. It depends upon how much money I, I got. If I got enough funds, it would be very soon, or in the middle of 1965, if I got enough funds. But if not, well, it will have to make me delay longer. And what do you think the reaction of America and Russia will be to Zambia's joining in the space race? Well, they'll be only surprised because they find, they find that we're just, uh, they underestimate our, our resources plus the intelligence, but I'm sure we're catching them. Yes, Mr. Inclosure. Yeah, you're, you're right. There, there's, there's, there's two possibilities here. One is that he's just, he's just one of the most intense performance artists up there with Andrew W.K. and fucking Andy Kaufman and all the other Andrews uh, of just like making some kind of weird esoteric point that I can't even wrap my mind around or... Oh, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. There's more evidence later, but yeah, continue with your point. Or he's or he's like launching like a full-on asymmetrical campaign to try to lobby m- money from the government by just like, he's like, okay, I, ha- I don't have I don't have a real rocket I don't have real facilities for training for, uh, you know, space flight or any of that stuff. But if I just am weird enough and just like my my approach to this is so impenetrably strange, I can trick people into thinking maybe I maybe this guy does know what he's talking about. He He seems like an eccentric genius and I can trick them into giving me money by just acting like an eccentric weirdo hard enough that they'll just think that I'm a genius because he's got like he's got he's got this helmet on which is like one of those like old like like fucking night like like Vietnam War like army helmet looking things he's got a like a cloak on and then in the background as this interview is happening he's just got like he's purposely staged some of his members of the society in the back like doing these weird like exercises where they're just like kicking their feet like they're doing can cans <laughs> and it's clearly set up to be in the background to look be like look there's training happening as we speak yeah and it's like it's like no one no one in their right mind thinks this is tr- good training yeah <laughs> but it's but it's also one of those things of like there's something to be said for when you're an oppressed class or in, when you're in a country that is is viewed as less than to just saying things and willing it to be true. America was the same way. You know, we were like, we have freedom of religion, freedom of choice. We are we are the, the, the land of the free, home of the brave. And everyone at the time was like, really, girls? Oh, no, mate. What's all this then? Yeah, exactly. Um, but you say something long enough and hard enough and it becomes the truth. You know, you believe something with enough conviction and eventually people will go, I mean, if that guy believes it, it's got to have some merit. Yeah. And, and, and in lieu of having any remotely any like physical resources, he's like, if we just like commit to this hardcore and buff away some of the hard edges with like eccentricity maybe people will believe that this is real. And he's like a super smart dude. Like he was a science teacher and he speaks multiple language. He was a literal translator for the government. And maybe he's also a fucking crazy person. Like he, it's, it's, this is the most fascinating story I think we've done in a long time. Because for me, I usually am like, oh, that's kayfabe. Or, oh, that's like somebody just being deranged that has lost their grip on reality or whatever the the story is. And I love this story so much because I genuinely don't know which is which with him, specifically because the way his story has been internalized within Zambian culture is a lot of the weirder and most blatant snake oil salesman stuff that definitely happened has been sanded away and has kind of been adopted now as like an urban folk hero, which is very fascinating to me. Um, And at a certain point, it kind of doesn't matter if it's real that he thought they were going to go to the moon or if it's a kayfabe stunt that he was trying to bilk money out of people to go to the moon the net positive result of how he's remembered which we'll we'll talk about later is fascinating you know that i think those symbols mean things to people and literally just saying we're going to go to the moon at a time when you've just declared independence from an oppressive colonialist uh you know state is is fascinating to me yeah, just this idea of like we're now an independent nation 
and like not ju- not just like we barely scraped by and f- you know fought off this colonial power and now are like on our own but like we're doing stuff like we're 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 like a legit nation we have plans we have like our o- our own uh you know the equivalent of the the equivalent of uh like the 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 manifest destiny myths that were created around other nations that that started out like in, in the west the Zambian government approved of it? Uh, no, not as yet, but uh, they, are, they have taken interest in seeing what I'm doing. Because this is a novelty, some things new in this, in this country. Yes, okay, sure. Go up in the sky, jump up. I just, I just wonder what these other people thought. Because you, you've got... You've, uh, our, our boy Edward, Edward Incoloso is, is do, sitting here doing these uh, these calisthenic jumping jack things, and there's all these. Uh, there's a, a mixture of younger men and women, and they're doing these things. And like, do these people think that they're going to the moon, or are they just kind of like, this seems like an interesting way to spend my Saturday afternoon? Yeah, and how do they relate to each other? How do they relate to the environment? Like, are all of their parents like you're? You're going to the moon? That's insane. You're not going to the moon. You're like, you, do they think that they've been conscripted into a cult? Like, that's what's so fascinating about this story is all the bizarre social dynamics. Because there's none of these people are going to the moon, and there's no way that any of these people genuinely believe that. But maybe that's not the point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's... it's it's very interesting. I'd love, I'd love to know what these people think about this, like why they were participating in this. And so here at an abandoned farmhouse not far from Lusaka, we have a youthful group of budding astronauts playing at entering Zambia for the world's space race. However, to most Zambians, these people are just a bunch of crackpots. <laughs> and from what I have seen... Hard editorial there. Jesus. It's funny. I laughed out... I laughed so hard because I was just thinking in my head. I was like, I was like, this little, this little like news piece is surprisingly unjudgmental of this. Like this just, they just ask him what's happening and they don't editorialize it at all. And then as soon as I thought that he said that, (laughs) of course, most people think these people are fucking idiots. Anyway, BBC signing off. Uh, But also, of course, of course, a representative of the English news media would be like, these people are fucking morons. Like they just declared independence from the English rule. Like it's not like they're going to. I was like pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, this is like a fairly like like objective, just little interview piece about this. And then at the end, he was like, but anyway, this is all dumb. But anyway, Edward and Coloso is a fucking piece of shit. Moving on. So uh, let's talk a little bit again about Edward and Coloso's visual appearance because He's got a real look, man. The guy's got a fit, and it's it's a choice. He's wearing a white collared short sleeve shirt, black tie, cape, full on cape, World War One style helmet, and the guy super bushy eyebrows, like really thick bushy eyebrows. And the guy is he's rocking a Hitler mustache. He's got, he's got the Hitler stash, or if if we're being a little charitable, he's got the Charlie Chaplin stash. He's got the Charlie Chaplin stash, but still. Still, it's the 50s. It's almost the 60s at this point. I think they declared independence in 64. So he's like, they're fully in the... Like, people know what this mustache is. It's not like, oh, it was 1941. People, you know, Hitler hadn't completely ruined that mustache yet. Yeah, he he looks he looks like a... He looks like a like a Hobby Lobby supervillain. Like, he just went, he just went to the craft store and, like, threw together his supervillain costume in, in, in a few minutes. And Edward and Coloso looks like Ren Fair mad scientist. Yeah, the, it's like the and the whole thing, like just the costume, but also like the combination of the Hitler stash and the really bushy eyebrows just really like makes him look like a cartoon character. And the fact that he was like, you see that metal tube? That's my rocket. <laughs> <laughs> and with but just with that, with the sincerity of like, this is not. That's what I'm saying, man. It's either he's like the best kayfabe ever or he's a deranged madman. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, this is this is really my rocket. This is going to fly. It's amazing. 
To train these Afronauts, Incloso set up a makeshift facility at an abandoned farmhouse 11 kilometers from Lusaka. He recruited 10 boys and one young girl. He organized various types of training exercises for them, including rolling downhill in a barrel, swinging from trees, and floating in a nearby river while in a tub. These were all utilized to simulate weightlessness. You know what it kind of reminds me of, though? I'm, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take some I'm gonna take some hard shots right now, but the the his like training regimen reminds me of uh of the UCB school where yeah so you know I don't know I don't know how many listeners of the show might might uh, relate to this but in my throughout my twenties I spent possibly thousands of dollars on improv and sketch writing training at the UCB. And there's other schools in LA that that do this, um, and I've actually taught a few sketch writing classes. Um, but the thing is, is like you can, I mean, when you go to the, these people, like they'll they'll swear to you about the craft or whatever, but it's all just made up bullshit. Like it's it's just all made up bullshit. It's just like people being like, yeah, so like in order to like fit, embody the scene, you have to. You, you have to do space work and you have to it, and it's it's all just made up bullshit. It's people who were doing sketch comedy or improv at the at at these theaters and then they graduated to being able to become teachers because they're just good at doing it. And then whenever they had to design their curriculum, they're just like, well, this is all made up. So I just have to make up bullshit to make it seem like I know what I'm talking about. And then that's just what that's just what learning like improv is. And it just it just reminds me of that. It just reminds me of somebody just making shit up as they go along, because the thing that they're teaching is not a real thing. Emotional sunk cost fallacy where it's like I've dedicated so much of my time to pursuing this as an official career, but there's no way to make money as a sketch writer unless you're on SNL or like two other avenues. And I don't really want to run a YouTube channel because the algorithm needs things that are 10 minutes long and writing 10 minute sketches fucking sucks. So maybe I'll just like bilk money out of these fucking like 19 year olds who are fresh off the boat in Los Angeles from Des Moines. I mean, you just described the UCB business model entirely. So I've got this idea. What if we started a Deep Cuts improv school? UCB, DCB. You know what I'm saying? Deep Cuts Brigade, you know? It's pretty simple. If you want to be a part of the DCB, you just got to live by the creed, yes and. Also, Obama impersonations are funny, as long as they're not racist. And uh, Christopher Walken impersonations are also very funny. As long as they're not racist. As long as they're not racist. We're going to be rich. Coloso stated that his goal was to establish a Christian ministry to proselytize to the quote-unquote primitive inhabitants of Mars. Yes, he literally thought that there were indigenous peoples on Mars. Oh my god, he wanted to he wanted to go and and colonize Mars and do and do the same thing to to the Martian people that that the that the uh the monarchy did to them. This is the key point that people point to in terms of maybe it's a performance art piece, not the ramblings of a crazy man, because certain places he's said stuff like this, and then other places he's said stuff like, um, uh, let me read this, especially trained astronaut girl, Martha Mantubabla, I can't really read it here because it's pixelated, uh, to the specialty, uh, specialty trained and ministry which will be launched in our first rocket. We have warned the missionary that he must not force Christianity on the peoples of Mars if they do not want it. Uh, one other difficulty has been holding up uh, that's been holding us up is UNESCO. So in that sentence, he's he's kind of like it's again maybe it's kayfabe, maybe it's not. He's saying that like they're going to send a ministry to Mars to minister to the people of Mars, but they're not going to get indoctrinated. Trust me, they're not going to get indoctrinated. But also like. That feels really tongue in cheek and like we're doing it because that's how like the monarchy talks about, you know, conscripting people into Christianity. Um, so he was he was the the African space Andrew W.K. Where, where his whole thing was just like a comment on colonialism or imperialism. <laughs> maybe or maybe he's a fucking crazy person. Or maybe he just actually wanted to go and be that guy from that episode of The Twilight Zone where he they go to space and 
he be, he gets mad with power. And Coloso repeatedly said in interviews that he hoped Zambia would become the quote unquote controllers of the seventh heaven of interstellar space. And here's where things get even crazier. Believe it or not, he literally had a rocket. I mean, not a big one, but he had a fucking rocket. The rocket was named D Kulu One after President Kenneth Kaunda and was roughly three meters long. Incoloso claimed that it was spaceworthy, having been constructed out of copper and aluminum. He planned to launch it on the date of October 24th, 1964, the date of the Zambian independence movement. However, the government did not grant him permission to do so because he wanted to launch the rocket in the middle of Independence Stadium. So that's something he left out of his little uh, op-ed there. He, he was trying to launch this rocket in the middle of a giant crowd of people, which again, could go either way. Maybe that's something he was purposefully pitching that would be hyper dangerous in order to make a comment, or he's a fucking crazy person. He's, he's the Zambian Elon Musk. He's like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna fucking launch this rocket right in the middle of this huge crowd of people. I've never launched a rocket before. This thing is probably gonna explode and blow our faces off. But imagine if it did work though. Like, okay, I, I, I concede that there's a 97% chance that we're just going to get our faces blown off and it's going to be a huge embarrassment and it's going to ruin our nation on the day of its independence and we'll just be, we'll be fucked. But imagine if it worked though, wouldn't that be badass? If we're just like, we're a nation now and we're flying through space and I'm like, whoa, this is fucking awesome. And then I land on Mars and then there's these hot Mars chicks. And then I just like fuck all these Mars chicks. That would be badass. 97% chance we die, but it would be badass. You have to admit, you have to admit. <laughs> I just, I love the fact that he's so mercurial and that he's such an unreliable narrator. And that the information about him, because it's from another culture 60 years ago, 70 years ago, is so malle—like it's, it's so malleable and so kind of the kayfabe and the truth of the situation are so wrapped up in each other that it's very difficult to tell now what was real and what wasn't. I, I, I love this. I love so much that he potentially genuinely was just like, no, no, we should just launch a fucking giant rocket in the middle of a stadium of people. Yeah, I, I really, I love, I mean, aside from any of like the logistical issues of like it could have been very wildly unsafe and all that stuff like that, I love the concept of it for the same reason why it makes the concept of the social contract very kind of like shaky and uh, and malleable, like you said. Because on one hand, it's like, okay, we, we society more or less functions in a particular kind of way. And even if there's aberrations or variations or if things don't always go as planned, it's kind of miraculous that society functions at all, let alone as well as it does, right? And so you develop this sense of safety of like, oh, well, you know, regardless of what happens, like there's still this center core of like, I live in a sane just world where like there aren't going to be marauders going down the streets slitting people's throats or whatever but then things like this remind you that like just below that like just below that shallow sur surface is like the the fucking insanity of the human condition that's just like bubbling under there and only not breaking out because of the surface tension of this thin layer of like civilization on top of it. And that's scary, but it's also really interesting and really cool because, you know, for all of the like, oh yeah, like, you know, society is designed to generate, you know, these like cog-like workers and, uh, you know, the people at the top work very hard to keep everybody sort of in line with a certain line of thinking and keep the status quo there's always that little bubbling of like, oh, like people are fucking freaks. And like, that's that's cool. Like, I like knowing that no matter what, no matter what people do to try to maintain the status quo, they can't stop making people freaks. I, I, I love that. <laughs> I love that that's like the, the message of this story of like, it's not 
It's not the human, the indomitableness of the human spirit. It's not the will to reach beyond our grasp. It's not a desire to propel ourselves past our our means that we see around us. It's not a, yeah, I should, maybe I live in a fucking dirt hut in the middle of fucking Africa, but you know what? I'm going to get to the moon someday. It's not that level of self-belief. It's just people are freaks. That's what it is for me, baby. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree either. It's it's a very heartwarmingly centered insanity. Yes, I love it. It has been reported that Incoloso asked UNESCO for a grant of seven million pounds to establish a space program with cutting edge technology. This, however, never materialized. Then he turned to private foreign entities and attempted to gain one point nine billion dollars. This didn't happen either i like how his his strategy is like reverse haggling where it's like all right i wanted to start a school you said no how about a fucking space philosophy program i want seven million dollars no 1.9 billion dollars then he just keeps like upping the ante every time he's not like okay fine 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 not maybe not that but maybe this he's like no you said no to seven million 1.9 billion like, where do you, where does he go from here? He's like, all right, okay, you want to do a space program? How about this? How about you anoint me king of the world? And everyone's like, no. And he's like, but I got a cape. I uh, All kings wear capes. I should be king of the world. And they're like, no. He goes, okay, how about this? I'm God. Yeah, he's like, he's like, remember, remember whenever, remember that one time, that really awkward thing that happened during like the VMAs or something like that years ago where somebody came out and just like said that, Michael Jackson was the was the greatest artist in the universe and he thought he was winning an award for the greatest artist in the universe and he came up and accepted it like it was an award but it was actually just somebody saying he was the greatest artist in the universe and he got and he misunderstood that but it's real <laughs> remember when Kanye got up there and said Beyonce had one of the best videos of all times remember when he did that to Taylor Swift what about that but as a negotiating tactic yeah I just I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to rush the stage during what, what was the time period of this? This was yeah, I'm going I'm to rush the stage during JFK's inaugural speech <laughs> and just start telling people we're going to space. Next up, Incoloso went to wait for it, Russia and the USA. His only caveat was that he wanted the Zambian flag to go up first. So basically, he went to both governments and was like, Give us money, give us the training facilities, give us the technology, and we'll give you the manpower. And you know, it'll be a good, like it'll basically be a, a, a goodwill envoy for global peace. You know, it'll unite countries. We'll we'll have a U.S. or Russia-backed um, space program, but it will be like Zambian-fronted, and it'll it'll bring Africa together. It'll bring the world together. We'll launch. And you can have Russian and U.S. astronauts on the ship. We'll all go up. And the only thing I need is for the Zambian flag to go up first. So it really was just this pure, like, I mean, whatever degree of it is like he's insane or he's a performance artist or he genuinely wants to go to space. Like some some mixture in there, not insignificant. This is all just a pure political this is pure pol- political asymmetrical warfare where he's trying to use all of this to just like will Zambia into this this like power nation overnight just by like getting it into the right channels. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it doesn't do anything, which is why it's fascinating. But if the Zambian government had like keyed into this in any way it, I would be curious to see what would have happened probably nothing because he's a fucking crazy person even if it is kayfabe he's still a crazy person like running around in a cape and a fucking you know GI helmet being like I am a genius give me 1.9 billion dollars is a it's not something a normal person does I mean I, I do it every day yeah that's true but that's how everything happens in New York right here is where things started to fall apart for our African Svengali, Edward Incoloso. He started losing his students. Why? Because they all started having sex with each other and getting into trouble and realizing that what they were involved in was a complete falsity. The real way that fucking the Professor X school for gifted children would turn. They just all start fucking. I mean, you say that, but I feel like that is like the pivotal turning point in a lot of X-Men stories is like... 
people get into relationships with each other and then everyone's like, why is Wolverine having sex with the with Storm? This is weird. Let's start like a mutant war. How about that? Hmm? Pretty much. One of the major turning points in the school's history was when the Afronaut Matha Mbabwa became pregnant and had to move home with her parents. This became a major news story and brought a lot of negative media attention down on Nkoloso. The one one girl, the one woman there, the one girl there got pregnant. She got smurfetted. To make things even worse, during this time, Nkoloso attempted to launch his rocket, which logically failed, but then he claimed it was sabotaged by foreign elements. Hell yeah. He He's training at that Donald Trump school of fucking logic. He's like, what? I failed? No, somebody sabotaged me. And this is kind of where our story ends in terms of the uh, space program. Everything basically fell apart from here. Um, but later in life, Incoloso ran for mayor of uh, Lusaka and emphasized that Zambia needed to move forward in like scientific advancements. That was basically his whole platform. Same as same as the stuff he said earlier in that thing. I guess I was wrong. I thought he'd already run for uh, mayor at that point, but I think he runs later. In the same way that I probably would have voted for Ross Perot in the 80s if I was an adult at voting age, I would 100% vote for this guy for mayor. It's like, you keep wear the helmet and the cape and you have my vote. That He's basically the rent is too damn high guy of like the 1960s. 100%. The moon is too damn low for us not to try and go there. <laughs> Once again, you have my vote and I will, I will, they'll have to do a real stop the steal campaign because I will vote 20 times. It's uh, it, interesting though, because he, in 80, in 1983, 20 or something years after this, uh, this story, I think he's in his late forties, early fifties at this point. Um, he attends the university of Zambia and gets a law degree and becomes a lawyer. Um, and he ended up dying on March 4th, 1989, and was buried with presidential honors, which is just like, there's some piece of this story that we're not getting that is like either context laundered or something. It's, there's something weird going on here and I don't know what it is, but I love the fact that the guy who ran around in the Cape got buried with presidential fucking honors. Yeah, I love it. It's almost like, it's kind of like uh, JJ Arms, where he just kind of willed like being a celebrity out of thin air just by pretending like he was except for with a lot less lying i feel like i feel like he was he he wore everything kind of out on his sleeve he didn't lie about shit he just said he wanted to go to the moon and wore a cape and people were like i guess this guy's a fucking legend it's interesting because they have the same approach and about just like saying outlandish things but all of jj arms's saying outlandish things are past He's always looking to the past and lying about what he did. And Edward Incoloso is lying about what he's going to do. He's saying, you know, all it's future oriented kayfabe where he's like, we're going to the moon. We're going to have spaceships where this rolling down a hill is training you to you know, prepare your body for weightlessness. Like none of this shit is true, but maybe it's cool because it's kayfabe or maybe it's cool because it's just somebody with the grandest ambitions possible. Yeah. And, and, and whenever you do that, you either just end up doing the thing and then it's like I had I I meant to do this the whole time I told you or you just peter out until everybody kind of realizes you're a fraud or alternatively you spin it and are like no I just they wouldn't let me they stopped me from doing it I was sabotaged the whole way along I could have done it but they didn't let me the man stopped me the man baby the man um the thing that, like, if I just read this, just, you know, read the story, it's a fascinating story. It's really interesting. But to me, most of it seems like kayfabe because it's hard for me to put my mind in the perspective of, like, somebody in the transitional Rhodesian to Zambian government. It's hard to necessarily, like, think of what your worldview would be at that point in time in the 1960s. Like, me today looking at this, I'm like, no, dude, this guy is... There's no way this guy is real. Like, this is fucking bullshit. But I think when you're in those situations where you've had your resources stripped, your culture strip mined, your people strip mined, somebody saying we are 
good, we are great, we are smart, we are intelligent, we are a futurist, positive-oriented society goes a long way. And I think that shows up in these some of these videos that I've found online that were made by African news channels celebrating Edward Incoloso as a thought leader. And they all kind of are like, yeah, he was a little kooky, but he said that we were going to do the thing. And that's really important, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, because think about it. Like, number one, during this time period, we hadn't gone to space yet. Um, and also the technology was just obviously much less advanced in the world than it is now. So you have this context of like, yeah, sure. like looking back on it now, it's like, yeah, this was obviously just like a joke. But back then, I think it was probably less of a joke because the technology wasn't as advanced and also nobody had ever gone to space. So there was no context for like what that would be like. And the concept of going to space in general probably felt a little bit like science fiction and like a thing that might not be achievable to the average person. And I, I was just going to say, and I, I, I was, I saw this thing the other day about how there was, there was a time in ancient history, whenever the color blue didn't exist, like they didn't have a concept for the color blue. They hadn't made up a name or a concept for blue. So you can you can like read old text from thousands of years ago and they'll like describe the ocean as a shade of green. And they'll just like and and so like without the concept of blue, they saw they literally saw a different thing because they didn't have the vocabulary to describe that. So I can see, you know, at the time without the hindsight of massive advancement in technology and literal space flight that was space travel that we've done being like, yeah, like, I, I guess this is possible. Like maybe this, maybe this is legit. And in a similar way that the stories from the Bible, you know, if, if those things were said claimed today, you'd be like, that's fucking ridiculous. But that, the the gap of time between them, people look back on the Bible stories and they're like, yeah, this, this, this literally happened at one point. Even though if somebody claimed this happened now, it would we would say they were they were a crazy person. So the the context plus the time removal, I can see somebody like this morphing into like a folk hero in this way and being inspirational as the more ridiculous aspects of what literally happened fall away with time. When will you fire off your first rocket and where will you send it to? Son, to the late comrade. In the struggle, he's a perfect man to give you all these answers. I'm the firstborn son to the late comrade Edward Feste Mkankoloso. Uh, or I can just say comrade, comrade veteran, war veteran, a freedom fighter, uh, my father, a hero. September 1939, the German foe begins its ruthless march of conquest and sets the stage for World War II. On September 1st, Danzig is incorporated into the Reich, and all Europe is aflame. World War II is a reality. The outbreak of World War II in 1939 was felt even in far-off Zambia, which was at the time a British colony. The British recruited young African men to fight in the King's African Rifles Unit to protect their colonial lands. Nkoloso was one of them. There was an army call-up in 1939 to fortify Second World War. So the British people called up those students. So he was one of them. There, he prayed the law as a Sergeant Siginus. You know, by that time it was under colonial. World War II ended in 1945. The world was once again a safe place, but not for all. Nkoloso and other African soldiers had helped free Europe, but in their own homes, freedom was still a dream. We were promised that when you come back by the British, we are going to give you your country because it was colonized by them. So when they came back with his colleagues, the survivors, soldiers, the British people, they changed mind. My father and other 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 war veterans, they asked the British people, uh, you promised us that uh, after we helped you to fight, to fight the fascism, uh, Hitler, you are going to give our country. So what's happening? Upon his return, he became a language translator for the Northern Rhodesian government. He was also a science teacher by profession. However, after disagreements with the education authorities, he opened a school to teach his own brand of science. He used to teach science, 
mathematics and religious. That's what you see. But especially science. I was very much interested in science. The colonial government was quick to close it. Nkoloso turned to politics and for the next 10 years fought against colonialism. Due to his activities, the British colonial government banished Nkoloso to his home area in northern Zambia. He was applying science even for, for doing very explosive. I remember that day with pride, the day the letters PG for prison graduate was scratched with a pin on my chest and then the same letters were inscribed with my own blood on a piece of prison toilet paper. I bought 40 hurricane lamps and organized my own psychological warfare. Preaching nationalism, Nkoloso finally emerged as the national steward for the United National Independence Party, led by Zambia's future first president, Kenneth Kaunda. Nkoloso's appearance as the fiery and hairy freedom fighter added color to the platforms of big rallies. In today's Zambians. Yes, as young as I was, I never met him, but I saw his wisdom when he made a drum. And he went into the drum, put, put it on, on the handheld, and he rode with him. It was so exciting. People clapped. And I also clapped, even though I was not nearer. It was in Osaka, among the compounds, where he did that demonstration. Apart from the training, Nkoloso was also hard at building. So that, that guy was there when they were doing the training. That's, that's what he was talking about when he said, you know, I, I didn't participate, but I saw them. They put him in the drunk the drum, they rolled them down the hill, and they, everyone was clapping and cheering. And that goes back to exactly what we were talking about of like, when you have a futurist mindset, it's contagious, I guess. You know, when you, when, you be, when you believe in something with your whole being, people get in line, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's so surreal to have this guy in a governmental um, produced, you know, YouTube channel. You know, it's like this African news, news channel or whatever, basically being like, guess what? It's really cool that he like inspired us to go to space. And it was amazing to see people roll down a hill in a barrel. Yeah, the, the way he describes it is like it was like this inspirational thing. But us before that, watching it, we're just like, oh, this is this is goofy as hell. <laughs> flight capsules and rockets that were used to carry out his experiments on space flight. According to him, his designs were fine. And the only challenge he faced was what he would use to fuel his rocket. Like this is what makes the me think the big trouble think is it's, propulsion. There was a trial launching like of there's the just Cyclops no way a sane either that actually you know what this one makes me this data point makes me feel like it's not kayfabe and like he's an, a deranged person because no one in their right mind would look at they're basically showing giant hunks of metal that are rusted and have holes in them. No one would look at that and be like, "Oh yeah, this is totally fine. We're going to space in this. We just need to be able to afford the gas, baby." Like no. The only thing missing from this equation is gas is jet fuel. That will make this work. These these rusty, battered, it, hollowed out hunks of metal with a guy standing in front of them wearing a toy space helmet and a jumpsuit with like straw lining on the neck and arms that makes him look like he's the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. We just need to add jet fuel to this and we will get to space. I mean, this also could go either way. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that maybe it's so ridiculous is the point and it's kayfabe. But this this data point to me feels like it's cuckoo pants. Like th this this one feels like oh no, he's just mentally unwell. Okay, it kind of it kind of reminds me of like crypto and NFTs a little bit. Where when you see people talking about it, when you see people talking about it, they're just like this is like the future. And then they'll just be like yeah, and like blah 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 the decentralization, and they'll say all these terms or whatever, and like. The surface level view of the of this stuff is that it's just like a bullshit scam. But if you look into it deeper, it's like more than that. It's not a scam. These people genuinely believe in this stuff, but there's nothing to it. Like when you look deep in when you look deep into it deep into it, and you're like, how does this work? 
you learn like, oh, it doesn't work. Like this doesn't work. And these people, for some bizarre reason, genuinely believe in it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I guess the, the, the only final remaining question is, what do you think, Spandrew? Do you think it's kayfabe? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's a mix? Do you think he was cuckoo pants? What are your what's your what's your final? Uh, or I guess let's let's back up. Do you have any final thoughts? And then at the finale of your final thought, what do you think? Real or fake? Yeah, so I guess my final thoughts are like conceptually, aesthetically, I love this story. I love what uh, what Incoloso was was trying to do and what he was doing. I think it's really funny and also really interesting, and even in ways inspirational. Like I I, I appreciate the idea that regardless of what his intentions were he like willed himself into being a piece of mythology that was used as a tool of motivation and inspiration for an entire nation. Like regardless of whether he was insane, a performance artist or secretly a genius that could have pulled this off if he was given enough money, the the mythology that he generated becoming this actual source of, of lifeblood for the people of a nation is really, really cool and I think kind of how the world works. Like we we know of many versions of this story, right? Like the whole King's speech story where the king practiced not stuttering so that whenever he did a radio broadcast, he wouldn't like make people think he was a weak leader. Like the, it's the same story. It's just weirder and funnier, um, but it's the same story. So I, I, I find that very interesting and very very inspirational and I think that like I said regardless of what he was trying to do I think it's really cool that he became this folk hero in this way um, and like I said before I, I also just I love I love the idea that like no matter what iterations of civilized evolution we go through you kind of can't make us stop being fucking weirdos which I love I love the idea of that um, and I hope that like humanity never has our like weirdness beaten out of us by civilization. Um, ultimately, do I think that it's real or kayfabe or whatever? Um, I, I, it's hard to say. I don't have like a definitive answer, but I think ultimately I probably think that he really believed that he could do this. Um, whether or not he was insane, I don't know. I, 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 I hesitate to like diagnose somebody through uh, footage across decades. Uh, but I do think that he genuinely believed he could do this. I don't think that he necessarily thought that like running around in a field, like doing calisthenics and like getting inside of tubes and rolling down the hill. I don't think he thought that was real. I do think that that was him attempting to build it and they will come it where he just was like with my given resources if i can make this seem like a functional organization at least to some degree maybe somebody will give me some money so i don't think he thought that stuff was real but i do think he thought he could genuinely do this if he was just given the opportunity and the resources yeah i think i'm somewhat similar to to you i love the hubris of the story i love the enduring triumph of the human spirit part of it the thing I don't like or makes me think that it was that there was a nefarious side to it other than the like, we should all just like will ourselves to be better is the fact that he was constantly petitioning governmental organizations for money and the fact that he had tangible negative effects on all these young people's lives. They like manipulated them into like rolling down a hill for a year and then some poor woman got pregnant. You know what I mean? Or some girl got pregnant like that. That's dark, you know, like all of that just gets glossed over in that news piece at the end that we listen to where it's just like, he was a great man. He did all of these things. Also, this young girl got pregnant, like because of his assholeness. So I don't I, I kind of don't know where I land on it. I think the fact that I don't have a definitive answer for is what is interesting to me, because um, usually we we're so like, oh, this is kayfabe, you know, um, and with him, it. It, it all feels so unknowable because he's objectively a smart man, but he says crazy things and there doesn't always seem to be an end goal. And when then sometimes there's a giant money end goal and then other times it's like, oh no, he's definitely not doing that. So I, I don't know in terms of the kayfabe stuff, but 
but I agree. I feel very similarly that I, this story is very, very, very fascinating to me and fucking hilarious. Like there's the whole, like we're going to Mars and we're going to colonize the people on Mars with Christianity is like so funny. Yeah. And in the four, the four quadrants of kayfabe, I would say it's like, are you an Andrew WK? Are you a Malachi Love Robinson? Are you a JJ Arms? Or are you a Lonnie Johnson? And it's like Andrew WK is like the pure performance art kayfabe trying to make some kind of satirical point, monastic dedication to like living this life of kayfabe and committing to it. Then you have the Malachi Love Robinson slash Sophia Stewart, where it's like, I'm just lying for financial gain and manipulating people and scamming people. And, and all of it is just this like near sociopathic attempt at just like enriching myself at the expense of other people. And then there's the JJ Arms kayfabe where it's like I'm lying because I'm trying to create like a legacy for myself and I want people to like like me and think I'm really cool. And then there's the Lonnie Johnson where it's just like no kayfabe at all. It's just a genuine person who's just like as good at, at what they said they were good at. They they were just they just were they everything they said was the truth. And and like he's like he doesn't quite fit into any of the slots. Which is fascinating. That's why it's so interesting. And also partly probably the cultural context laundering, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the footage of all those little kids being like, yeah, it's pretty cool that he like tried to get us to go to the moon while grinding rails and shit is like, you guys don't know who this is. Some news reporter walked up to him and was like, did you know there was a guy who tried to get Zambia to have a space program in the 60s? Oh, that's cool. Can I get a clip of you saying that he's cool? Yeah, sure. Oh, Edward and Colossal is cool. Watch me do this kickflip. <laughs> but that, I mean, that, but that's what, that's what happens all the time though. I mean, it's, I was just thinking about this yesterday, but it's especially bad on social media because of the sheer amount of content. And I think it's much worse and more damaging, but like, you know, the, the I'm not saying that, that uh, Incoloso was on the similar level as somebody like this, but you have just like these, these mythologies of persona, like somebody like, like Walt Disney or, or, um, or Thomas Edison, just as a couple of random examples where it's like everybody has a specific idea of what they were, which is not accurate in reality. Like they really didn't do the things that they're thought of as having done. The reason why people think that they did those things is because they were just told those things by people who had vested interest in people believing those things. And they just accepted them at face value because who has the time to go fucking investigate the truth of things told to them by massive organizations or whatever. So over time, it's like the, the, the idea of what Walt Disney or Thomas Edison are or somebody like Elon Musk is like crafted by this, like the surface tension of propaganda up against like the lack of time or interest in like fact checking shit that most people have. And then and then on, on the Internet, it's even worse because you just see somebody make a claim and then it's just accepted as truth because nobody has time to go figuring out like if it's true or not. And most people are just going to be like, oh, I guess that's true. If it, if it's something that they already kind of want to believe, they're just going to accept it. It's just like our, our brains are just hardwired to just believe what we're told. Because if you questioned everything, you would never get anything done. Like you have to you have to accept a certain percentage of what you're told or else how do you live, you know? Yeah, because and so people like Incoloso become like a like a folk hero who's buried with presidential honors because a handful of people who had vested interest in portraying him in that way went around just being like, yeah, he was this amazing hero, like his son in that in that, in that documentary. And everybody else is like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if if Edward Incoloso Jr. is going to be an objective witness delivering objective testimonial about his father's role in history. I wonder but but sometimes it can have a net positive effect and sometimes it has a decidedly negative effect. It seems like there's not much wrong with the idea of like inspiring a an oppressed people to feel like they can be more than just a colony of people under the control of this huge uh, monarchistic power. But then you have other times when it's it's a demonstrably bad effect that, that kind of like propagandizing has. So, you know, uh, it's a mixed bag, I guess. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. This has been Deep Cuts. If you'd like to find me on the internet, you can do so at heydavebaker.com. Spandrew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me rolling down a hill 
in a big metal barrel uh, and eventually I will use that training to go to space and I'm going to go to space hell and I'm going to track down Hilsmer's mom and just get all the get all the dirty details on him that he's never wanted to tell us and come back and just embarrass the shit out of him with family photos uh, and you can't find me on social media because I don't use social media but if you want to pay your respects to our dear beloved Papa Price you can pick up his book Deadbolt AI Private Eye by going to his website dacepricerights.com and getting it there you can also follow us on social media on Facebook Deep Cuts Podcast join our Facebook group the Deep, Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group where we talk about the show make memes there's a cool little community there that talks about stuff and hangs out you can join our Discord server bit.ly.com slash Deep Cuts Discord where we also talk about the show make memes play games talk about other things um, for some reason, they're talking about dating a lot. There's this huge discussion about online dating that's going on in the, on the Discord server. Um, you can follow us on, on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Mystery Treehouse. You can go to our website, deepcutspod.com. Click on the shop. You can get hats and T-shirts and all kinds of cool stuff. And you can join the for only $400 a class. You can join the DCB, the Deep Cuts Brigade, where we will teach you how to effectively improv an entire podcast where you're making everything up and nothing's true and have it be completely believable. Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.